Mythos Podcast listeners, this is Nicole Schmidt, and welcome to the first story in a series called Lockdown Lore, where I will be attempting every week or two weeks just to put out a single short story, folk tale, legend, etc. Many of these will be uh, just pieces that perhaps I do for live storytelling or stories that didn't make it into previous episodes. So, I also want to say that I will be doing live storytelling via Zoom. I'm going to be doing uh, a 45-minute session called American Mountain Tales, where you will be experiencing the fae spirit folklore of the Appalachian region of the U.S., drawing upon Native American and Scotch-Irish folklore. The other will be stories of summer, of magic honeybees, and healing sunlight. So follow me on Facebook, so Mythos Podcast, or on Twitter. Um, You can also sign up for the newsletter email updates on mythospodcast.com, and I'll be giving you more information about those Zoom shows. Okay, without further ado, this is a Polish fairy tale about a dragon and three soldiers. I'll call it that. This is... Uh, The Dragon and the Three Soldiers. Now, the three soldiers swept across the countryside, caught in the great tearing of land, child and peasant. They got swept up in an expensive war, and it was so expensive that the king couldn't pay them very much. He couldn't even feed them. The three soldiers then decided to desert. The great tearing, this great war, no longer a worthwhile cause, if ever it was. And one of the soldiers, Wilhelm, whispered, If we are caught, they will hang us. And he was looking over his shoulder at the general sitting at his campfire. How shall we get away without anyone taking notice? We will hide in the cornfield, said Benwick, the second eldest. No one will find us there. A fine plan, said Andreic, the youngest of the men, one part sarcasm, one part shrewdness, one part sincerity. Indeed, no man is ever found who hides there. You don't believe such tales, exclaimed the other two. Of course not, Andreic retorted. Besides, tomorrow the army marches on. By the time we are missed, it will be too late. They will not send anyone after us. So, they hid themselves in the cornfield and waited till dawn. But the army did not march on as expected. They remained as they were, scattered all around the field. And for two days and two nights, the deserters hid in the cornfield and grew so hungry they nearly died. The unripened stalks, a torturous reminder of food, They had eaten so little before their desertion. They were nearly skin and bones as it was. And for two days and two nights, hour by hour, hour by hour, stomach-holding hunger, head buried in hands hunger, hour by hour, tempers flared. If only this cord were ripe. And shut up, just shut up. We are all hungry for God's sake. Just shut up. They tried to sleep, but stalks poked and jutted. Creeping creatures made their hearts race with fear. The ground was cold. 
they hid in the corn for another day and night. And Wilhelm became so despondent, he did not respond to questions. Benwick's temper became so acute that he had already bloodied his fist by pounding it on the ground, and even Andreic, ever good-natured, sneered with contempt at the suggestion that they leave. I don't be stupid, he said. If we venture out, it will be certain death. And then, as he watched the good, loyal king's men eating dried berries and dried beef, stringy though it was, he whispered, whether here or there, we die. There is no real choice. Now, the great tearing had caused the world's breath, the very atmosphere, to become toxic with despair and desperation. So, it was only natural that the dragon would come and seek its advantage as power often does. Swooping down through Chernabog's hazy breath, through the fumes of the great tearing, the dragon hovered above the soldiers and asked, Why do you cower in this field? What is it that you fear? Andreic answered, We are three soldiers who deserted our posts because our pay was small. Now, if we remain here, we will die of this giddy, gut-wrenching hunger, and if we return to the camp, we'll kick our pathetic little feet as we hang from the gallows. Hmm, mused the dragon, stroking his beard. If you will serve me for seven years, I will lead you through the middle of the army so that no one will catch you. Will you feed us? Andreic asked wearily, but with a sharp clarity and intelligence that the dragon took note of. What kind of master would I be if I did not? You will have bread and ale aplenty, the dragon promised. As we have no choice, said Andreic, we must accept your offer. Oh, there is always choice, the dragon said smugly. I simply offer the better of the two. A statement only ever made by fools, dragons, and kings, retorted Andreic. Affronted, the dragon scooped the three men up with his claws, flew with them high over the heads of the surrounding army, and gently set them down on the earth. Now he gave them each a little sack. In it you will find coins enough to spare, and more. Go, live as kings for now, but after seven years you are mine. Sign my contract now, and we will part ways. Then he put a parchment in front of him. Benwick and Wilhelm signed it immediately, but Andreic paused to consider. I fear you have tricked us, dragon, for you said we were to be your servants for seven years. You did not say we would be rich for seven years and then come back to you. Oh, you misunderstood, the dragon said smoothly. But I will make another deal with you. Sign now and listen carefully. At the end of seven years, I will give you a riddle. If you can guess it, you shall be free, and I will trouble you no more. Agreed then, said Andreic, and he too signed the parchment. The dragon flew away, and the three men left, carrying their sacks of gold. And with these never-ending sacks of gold, they now had as much money as they wanted, wore fine clothes, and lived in large castles. But the seven years passed quickly. 
and when the time was nearly ended, Benick and Wilhelm nearly shat themselves with every gusty roar of wind that tore through the land, thinking the dragon was nigh. What have we done? cried Benick. If we stayed in the army, the war would be over, and we would be on our homesteads, married to a pretty farm girl. Perhaps, said Andreic, but, more likely, you would either be dead or a beggar, like most of the king's pettyfoot soldiers. You have made the better choice, Andreic said, the last statement softly, and with a thoughtful, bemused smile. Then he shook his head and said with a laugh, Don't trouble yourselves. I consider myself a clever man. I will answer the riddle. Now the three of them returned to the spot where they had last seen the dragon. An old woman passed by and asked them why they were so sad. Go away, old woman, said Benick. What business is it of yours? You can't possibly help us. Who knows, she cackled. Tell me your troubles and we shall see. Now Andreic knew this was the Yetzi Baba the crone enchantress who spoke to them now. Without fear, but with sadness and respect and deference, he told her that they had become the servants of the dragon. For seven years we have lived like kings, and money has been as plentiful as stars in the sky. But now we wait for the dragon to return. And I suppose the dragon has given you a riddle, said the Yetzi Baba. If you were as clever as you look, you would have sought a way to break the agreement. He has, laughed Andreic. Can you help? I am willing to help you because you make me spy, um, smile and because you do not despise my help. If it were not for you, I would leave your friends to their miserable fates. Yes, I have a plan. She told the men that one of them should journey into the deep wood, the prime evil wood that rustled and moved and yawned and whispered with strange words and mutterings. There, she said, you will find a tumble-down heap of rocks, which looks a bit like a house. Go inside and find what help is offered. What good would that do, you forsaken old woman who nobody wants? sneered Wilhelm. Forget it. I'll just wait here for the dragon. And I will certainly not set foot into the old wood, added Benick. There might be bees or wolves or robbers waiting for me. But Andreic jumped up and headed straight into the old wood. There he found the stone hut just where the Yetzi Baba said it would be. And in this hut, Smoking a long pipe stood a very, very old woman, older even than the Yetzi Baba. Good morning, grandmother, said Andreic, smiling. The old woman puffed on her pipe, looked him up and down, and narrowed her crinkly eyes. Well, you don't look nearly as stupid as the other dimwits that have wandered into the old forest, all puffed up from the poisoned world breath. Andreic laughed. Unfortunately, grandmother, that's not saying much for me. The old woman laughed and choked on her pipe. Why do you seek me, child? 
How do you know that I seek you, grandmother? She smiled. Because one only encounters me when they've been sent to look. Andreak smiled and nodded and poured out his entire story. Ah, she said, when the, take was, when the tale was finished. This is my grandson you speak of, this dragon. A little mischief maker, that one. He should be taught not to meddle in the affairs of others, especially when they are helpless and in need. Yes, I will help you. And with that, she lifted a large gray stone which covered the entrance to her cellar. Hide yourself in there, young man. You should be able to hear everything from there, but don't make a sound and don't move a muscle. My grandson is to visit me shortly. And within the hour, the dragon flew in. Grandmother, he called, might I beg a bit of supper? I'm on my way to pick up my new servants. Andrea gritted his teeth. Oh, how the powerful treated others to be picked up like a basket of fresh vegetables from the market. Through a tiny crack in the boulder, Andrea could see the old woman set the table and bring out bread and wine. So tell me about these new servants, she said. I don't think you've mentioned them before. Three soldiers, said the dragon. Oh, what fine servants they will make. I have given them the opportunity to escape, of course, but they will never be able to answer my riddle. A riddle? asked the old woman innocently. Why don't you tell me? You know how I do so love a riddle. All right, grandmother. In the Baltic Sea lies a dead sea cat. That will be their roast meat. And beside it lies the rib of a whale. That shall be their silver spoon. Next to that is the hollow foot of a dead horse. That shall be their wine glass. When the dragon had gone then to take a nap, his old grandmother pulled up the stone and let out the soldier. Did you hear everything, she asked, taking Andreyek's hand tenderly and with hope. Yes, Andreyek said rather sadly. It is a cruel riddle, the old woman whispered, leading Andreyek by the sleeping dragon. It is the riddle of the world, grandmother, Andreyek whispered back. The dragon has breathed in too much of the world breath of late. That he has, she agreed. Now go. In great haste, Andreyek made his way back to his companions. He told them how the dragon had been outfoxed by his grandmother and how he had heard from the dragon's own lips the answer to the riddle. Then they were all delighted and in high spirits. There is hope for us yet, cried Wilhelm and Benick. And just then, the dragon swooped down from the sky, holding the parchment in his clawed fist. Without even a good evening, gentlemen, he pointed out their signatures and said, Follow me underground to my home. There I shall feed you. If you can tell me what you will get for your roast meat, you shall be free. And I will let you keep the bottomless sacks of gold. Then the dragon, with blackness itself that seemed to smile without a mouth, stood before them with all the confidence they would never answer. And they stood before his lair, darkness itself. 
and they knew that they might just be prisoners for life. Now the three soldiers halted, and Benick said, Oh, for our roast meat. Well, in the Baltic Sea lies a dead sea cat. That shall be our roast meat. The dragon was, of course, very irritated, but he covered it well and said to Wilhelm, Ah, but what shall you have as your spoon? The two servants were, after all, better than none. The rib of a whale shall be our silver spoon, Wilhelm promptly replied. The dragon growled in his low throat before returning to Andreic. Do you know what your wine glass will be? Andrea grinned wide. An old horse's hoof, hollow, shall be our wine glass. Who helped you? shrieked the dragon. You would have never answered those questions on your own. The Yetzi Baba helped us, said Andrea, and your own grandmother betrayed you. And with another shriek, the dragon flew into the night sky. He no longer had any power over the soldiers, and the contract was broken. Benick, Wilhelm, and Andreak returned to the city with their sacks of gold and lived happily there the rest of their lives. <laughs> <laughs>